Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. hello and welcome to scream queen a podcast about scary movies from people not typically depicted in scary movies uh how are you tommy Um, we've got a guest this week drea this is your cousin right yes miss elon joy washington uh she is the founder of the black film allegiance and please, you know, tell me more about what you've been working on. Yeah, so uh, mainly that's what takes up all my time. It's uh, what takes my most, most of my energy, but also is my greatest passion. So at Monkey Paw, um, of course, we work a lot in the horror space. So I'm glad to be here and um, deal a lot with current and upcoming projects. And then on the Black Film Legion side, um, we constantly work towards promoting marginalized communities and specifically black filmmakers um, and creating a platform for, for visibility. So, That's dope. Yeah. Awesome. Did you like get into Monkey Bob because you liked horror or did you working there, have you come to like horror? What's your relationship to, um, to scary movies and shit? I'm surprised people don't ask me that more, but um, <laughs> actually I was more of a psychological thriller fan and um, which you know, all in the same family. But Those are the ones that scare me the most, to be honest with you, because people's heads is real. <laughs> like Some of these yeah. monsters are fake, but but villainous people are real. The real monsters yeah. that scare me, yeah. Exactly. So I was sort of late to the party when it comes to a lot of the classic horror films that I watched sort of after being involved in Monkey Paw. But before that, I was more so like, probably my, my if you would ask my favorite film in that genre, I'd say like Black Swan. And so I do like the like body horror and stuff, which I'm sure we'll talk about soon. Um, because there's definitely an intersection here. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we're just really happy to have you on the show. I mean, you're a perfect match. I don't know why we haven't had you on sooner, but you know, <laughs> I mean, it, well, I mean we are just g- like getting more familiar with the idea of having guests. We've only we had only had on one, and that was like season one, and then we had Ashley yeah. C. Ford this season, and it's like, well, it's just kind of a nice little party to be part of, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but, like all all throughout Lovecraft, we should have been talking. Like, cause I feel like we were all up in that, but, um, but yeah, so we're going to be diving into this. Um, basically what we're going to do is just like, uh, you know, Tommy kind of told you we're going to get into our main discussion, which is bad hair. I know you, we all got to dive into that this weekend. Um, we are also going to be getting into the new, uh, rendition of the witches. Um, also I was just kind of, you know, one thing we talk about is like things we've been watching recently. Um, I know I've been watching just like the classics because um, this is 
October. This is my birthday month. This is like, the, this is the best month of the year, quite, quite frankly. And every day is Halloween to me and all of that. Um, so yeah, I've been watching, you know, Ernest Scared Stupid and Gremlins 2 and Hocus Pocus, which they're also making a sequel to. Um, and I'm right, super right. excited for that. And yeah, that's what's, have you been watching anything else, Tommy? Um, I mean, I've been watching a lot of cartoons <laughs> because oh, okay. I get scared. So <laughs> I know I was talking to yeah, and he's pumpkin or something. So that could have been, yeah. Oh, you know what I did watch was um, Nightmare Before Christmas. I fucking love that Nightmare movie. Nightmare Before Christmas, and, Great Pumpkin. Yeah. Those aren't those won't make you go under the bed or under your sheets or whatever. Freaking yeah. under the bed. Very notoriously like a scaredy cat. He's terrible. <laughs> no, it's, this is what I tell Dre. It's like I can't even be in the same room when um th- when I'm making toast because as soon as it pops oh, out of the toast, I'm yeah, like, no. Yeah. Nope. If you ever see like I, cat videos of like them reacting to toasters, that is time. Yeah, like, like I had an eye exam today, and you know that one, that part where they blow the air into your eye. I was like, get it over with. I can't <laughs> live in anticipation. I'm gonna fucking lose it. I've never met this doctor fun. before. This is the first optometrist I've seen since I moved to Los Angeles, and she was like, "You're a little intense," and I was like, "I'm scared." <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> So should we dive into this? Yes, we should. Um, I think I'll I'll do this one, and then you can get, you know get us into the witches later. Let's go ahead and, and do um, Bad Hair 2020. It's directed uh, by, written and directed by Justin Simeon. Um, so it's it takes place in 1989. An ambitious young woman gets a weave in order to succeed in the image obsessed world of music television. However, her flourishing career may come as a great cost when she realizes that her new hair may have a mind of its own. Um, so yeah, this also stars, we have Elle Lorraine, Vanessa Williams, Kelly Rowland, Blair Underwood, Jake Farrow, Lena Waithe, Usher, Lorraine Cox. Um, there's some other re- recognizable faces in there as well. Um, how are we feeling about this? You know, I've, I've, I've just, I've, I've heard, I'm not on Twitter any longer. I heard this movie was dragged on Twitter. I, it caused a stir. So, there, there yeah, so it's a little bit controversial. So I'm curious to ask the two of you, like, wh- what are some things you thought were working about this movie? And what are some things you thought were working against it or not working or were impediments to you? For me, I sort of felt like there were moments where the campy elements were indecisive. So overall, I thought it was going to either lean into it more and be super over at the top at all times or be either, either more reserved on a psychological thriller space um, or maybe just be hardcore horror and just make the hair a, more of a monster the entire time. But it had to sort of slowly build to that. So I feel like the first half was different than the second in that sense. Um, but what I did enjoy was the period piece element and how they sort of recreated some of the nostalgic moments that we're used to seeing. Um, and I sort of felt some light school days, good hair, bad hair references of the vibes in terms of at least the cast. Exactly. School days. That was, I, I forgot to write that down, but that was a huge reference in it. You know, good hair, you know, bad hair, whatever, you know, like that is a huge reference. Um, what about you, Dre? Oh, I, you know, the same way I feel about like um, people writing about a culture they don't know about or something they haven't personally experienced. Same way I feel about a black man writing about a black woman's hair. Like it's, 
you don't quite know. You know, you, you, you're around it. You, you, you've seen it, but you don't know it. So I thought that he, he was definitely, when he got, they did the 80s right. They got that element of it right. But then when they try to get into the folklore of it, it loses, I, I don't know why they even tried to go that deep with it because they don't even, they don't even like it past the freaking like the cover. Like, I don't understand. They keep talking about this moss haired girl that, may, that really links into nothing. Not like really. Right. You're like, is the folklore indigenous? Is it something else? Like, okay, it's of the land, but then, then, but it's like owned by James Vanderbeek family. But then, like, so they're harvesting this to then do what exactly? Right. So I feel like it. It kind of sw- what I what I appreciate about it is that it swung for the fences. Like it really went. Like the premise. Like I felt like the first act was great, you know, because we get, like, I, I was obsessed with the visuals. I was obsessed with the vibe. I was obsessed with the style. I was obsessed with some of the camera work, the transitions, the fade in and out was, like, very sort of, like, 70s, like, horror, you know what I mean? Like, so it was, like, a call back and a call forward and a call into because, like, the thing about it is that, like, um, like, cr- like, the criticizing a Black woman's hair in a professional environment is not a tale for 1989. It's, like, it's not like it's in the past. You know, so I feel like there was a timeliness to it while also making it a period element and then having even further callbacks to other like types of genre horror. But it was in like the, and I thought like the, honestly, like the most horrific scene was when she was getting the weave. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, I, I don't know about you, Elon. I've never had a weave, but I, I have yeah, made, yeah, a lot of friends have had them. I've had my hair. I've had chemicals in my hair. That's a different yeah. type of pain, but it's, it's, it's in the same same it, it's the same type of thing we're trying to transition our hair into something that it's not supposed to be and you know and it's the detriment of our scalps and our health you know um so there me- was one element of it that i thought like okay okay it's it's in the basement of this film so to speak but there's this idea of like how white patriarchy gets us to do its job for it when we sort of police each other and gatekeep on each other and limit each other's opportunities for ascension based on Eurocentric values of like beauty and stuff like that. Like there was definitely like that element there, but like, it was like how, how that fell away in terms of storytelling. And then it was just scary hair. I never was buying into that. (laughs) And every time that was brought up in the story, I just wasn't, I never held on to that, but the campiness worked. The, The gore worked. The over the topness worked. One of the funniest scenes in the movie, um, and it's you don't realize how funny it is until like retrospect, is when Lena Waithe, uh, she sees her in that room and she thinks she's part of the whole hair conspiracy, and and then she's like, "No, bitch, I was just playing." Like, that <laughs> shit is so fucking funny. Like just to think about that, she like you look at her face, she's like. <laughs> when she was like bitch i'm supposed to be dead like you know i saw all the jason movies you don't need to check and make sure that she's dead like. right. and also her name is brooke lynn brooke dash lynn is her name which i also mm-hmm. but um one of the things i saw on twitter um i i don't i never i had a twitter for all of like six months this is like 10 years ago um mm-hmm. i was like oh no this is bad these y'all are mean this is high school uh and i was off um but one of the uh, things I saw on there that kind of raised a note with me was somebody said uh, a black movie, uh, a movie about the uh, a movie about black hair 
that's called bad hair, you know? And, you know, it's interesting that you're trying to put that, you know, you're trying to put this other story about the lineage of, of our hair, and then you're going to title it that, you know? I mean, there also is a, a documentary. Uh, well, that was, it was actually called Good Hair. Uh, yeah, the Chris Rock one, right? Yeah. But, you know, it's just like, so I, 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 I mean, again, I didn't take offense to the title, and I still don't, but I understand that take. And you, you have to be careful, you know, when you put these titles, especially when there's already so many terrible stereotypes out there when it comes to, you know, women of color. You know, you just have to be careful with your wording. But. Well, I was, I, I, was, I was reading about the, the AV Club. Shannon Miller um, on the AV Club said, it's a confusing example of what happens when a creator doesn't appear to have anything clear to say, only a strong desire to say something. And I think this gets to what you were talking about, Dre, which is like, if you have a strong, you don't know what you want to say, but you have a strong desire to say something, it's like, maybe you could executive produce and then a black woman could write this story. We, we experienced this already in, in our first season with, um, what was the Native American show that was written by a white Oh, woman? Chambers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a white woman showrunner who was like, I want to tell this story about Native Americans. And it's like, well, you know what Ava DuVernay is doing right now? She's saying, I'm going to use my production company to produce a drama, uh, a Native American family drama, but I'm getting all these natives to write an executive producer. She's like have, opening the door. I think she's doing a good version of it, which is like, yeah, like I'm going to give, I'm going to, I'm going to use my clout to open the door for you to do your thing. So like Shaz Bennett and Sydney Freeland are writing the pilot for that. And Bird Running Water, who's at Sundance is like producing. And it's like, that's a beautiful use of like lateral ascension, right? Where it's like, I'm going to, like, I'm not going to come in here and be like, I'm the one who needs to tell the story. It's like, I'm going to give the people who need to tell the story, the tools to tell the story. It's not my story to tell, but it needs to be told. Simple as that, you know? Um, and me and Alon were talking about like uh, Catherine Bigelow the other day and a few other, uh, you know, examples of that. And just when people get kind of caught up, you know? And they have good intentions, but it's like, well, use your good intentions in the right, you know, put them in the right direction. But uh, also I want to say, you know, shout out to uh, Kelly Rowland's Tony Braxton meets Janet Jackson impression because that shit was cute. It was really cute. She's not husky as fuck like Tony, but like she had the full on the moves, yeah, the hair and the moves and everything. It was yes. Yeah. What did you guys think of the single "I Get It"? Uh, I don't know what, what she was singing about, but I was like, okay, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, I also love, like, like, obviously, like, Vanessa Williams, um, Robin Thede, Laverne Cox, like, they were all having so much fun. Well, Vanessa is built for this. We already saw her do this in, like, Ugly Betty. And, you know, she can just play, and she, and she still looks, oh, she still looks so gorgeous. Yeah. And, you know, I just, it, it was really dope to see her. And to see, and the, the puppeteer work and all that shit they do with her hair. And like, she just looked badass. I want to see her as a villain, like, like to that scale again. It reminded me of, um, not the Wiz, but like, no, it reminded me of Captain EO when Angelica Houston actually is like this spider woman that attacks a minute. Like she, it's, it's very, it was like some Diana Ross-ness going on there too. That was very Diana Ross inspired, I realized. That hair. Um, what's that? Yeah, I see what you're saying for sure. Um, especially when he got more up on guard and she's like up up on the wall with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, yeah. Also, sure. um, Tony Gardner did 
uh, some of the makeup on this one. And we just uh, did uh, Bones, which I was telling you about, Elon, that Snoop Dogg film. Um, so yeah, that's a fun little callback. Uh, also, Alex Gaines did arts di art direction and the editing was done by Philip J. Bartel and Kelly Matsumoto. Um, and yeah, overall. And I Blair would... Underwood is daddy. Like, <laughs> he did He always looks good. He's, he still looks the same. But I like him with a little bit of gray. I'm not gonna there, lie. There was I was like, gray going on though. I didn't buy that gray. It was a whole lot of, that was like, painted <laughs> on gray. <laughs> yeah. But he's, he, I, I, I like the, you know, they could have just, it should have been frosted on. But anyway, that was just one of three things that I could point out that I didn't like. <laughs> yeah. What did, what did you guys think of, okay, so again, this is like in a, like a story situation and maybe this is like a plot hole and maybe we don't need to get into here and maybe we can even cut this out. <laughs> but it's like, it did seem like Vanessa Williams' character wasn't the villain, right? She was an antagonist, but she wasn't the villain. Like, it was like still her hair was kind of taken over. But yeah. my question is, because she, she talked about the hunger, right? When she, talk, when she was talking to um, Anne, she was like, no, I felt it at first. It started out every now and then, and then it became more ravenous. And now sometimes the hunger doesn't go away. And I just assume that she's felt this before the big meeting, before taking over culture. So like... Why would she knowingly send other people to get this same thing done? To stay that, that just seems like to stay where she's at. But you think that if she sends somebody out to there to do that, that means that her she's knowingly letting go of her job, or, or that, that she's or knowingly her. exposing people to this thing that's going to slowly take over their. I mean, her her brain's polluted with that weave <laughs> and. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, she ain't thinking straight. So, I mean, and then they have the hair off, which is hilarious, and they're just looking at each other, and their hair's mingling, and <laughs> I love that. They look so pretty. In that, shot. Yeah, I guess that part wasn't even bothering me, just because it reminded me of this really famous looking single episode where Kyle Barker has to address his firm because he thinks that they're asking to cut his hair, but it was actually his black colleague. Um, and so I liked that she was like bringing more people into what she needed to be a systemic problem. I just wish that they hadn't taken the onus off of society, the system, and mm -hmm. expected beauty standards and put it on something mystical. I think that's an example of kind of when genres used in a way that weakens the narrative or the, the thesis. Um, because the whole witches thing and the soul takeover wasn't as interesting as the real life truth that we know it to be for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very well said. I think that like when it came to, again, like I thought I, I was like swing for the fences, but it was almost like then in the tying up of the loose ends. I mean, this is why like I, I, I really respect Twilight Zone, but I don't always like it <laughs> because it's like, I love the setup. I love the fact that you had this, you had, you imagined this thing, but then it's like, if, but if it doesn't come together in the end, then I just feel like I lose faith in the vision of the creator. And sometimes it is maybe like you, you didn't, because this isn't a problem necessarily or a constraint necessarily happening to you. It's like, 
it just sounds like your imagination couldn't go that far or, you know, it just, it was like, a, there was, it was like misaligned, but, you and, know. And we, but we also both, we all three know that it's not just their imaginations. It's the industry, right? It's people that create roadblocks. And I'm sure he tried to go and, and hit for, you know, as far out of the park as he could. And, and overall, I really, really, really like this film. Um, I, 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 the only thing that stood out to me was just that the folklore didn't go far enough. And yeah. it, that was the only thing I felt that was a misshoot. Um, but besides that, I thought the body horror was dope. Um, I thought it was Jay, Har- uh, Jay Farrow acting like a hoe was hilarious and trying to make his way. Uh, it was funny to watch him try to make his way through the industry by selling his, like, you know, like letting that booty get loose all over the place. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, one way to put it. That's how I put it. I So, yeah. So overall, I was, um, and I was really impressed. I thought Kelly looked amazing and just got to show off just why she She's not just Beyonce's backup singer. She is Kelly Rowland, and she ha- she brings her own. Um, and Homegirl, um, in the our lead, uh, Miss L. Lorraine as Anna Bloodsoe. I really was. Blown she was away so by good. Her. She was. I I was convinced by that performance. Like she did, even even balancing when it got silly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she fit into it all. She has like a a Mia Farrow kind of vibe about her actually mm. at some of those points i was like i was like she was like kind of giving me like remember darla from buffy the vampire slayer which one oh, was that the blonde no she was the girlfriend of spike the like kind of weird out of it like like oh, sickly, kind of, yeah. like yeah, she, yeah, yeah. she kind of gave me some of those moments sometimes and i was just and, you know she just she sold it for me i was i really believed that character in that performance and like when you know she played like like dominant and pathetic you know, and, and without without it seeming like um a huge like a, a huge departure from the character, it was like oh I I could believe that you would be doing this now. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was fun too, for sure. But like you said, my my only thing was just where they took sort of the backstory from, and also like they did mention indigenous. I'm not even sure they didn't. Fully I can't remember that flashback. Remember to like yeah, they mentioned a piece of that. Yeah, yeah, but then they also mentioned something about. Slavery, and I'm like, oh, it always has to go back to slavery. Always, all on. Yeah, so I'm like, somehow it was a mix of several things, but somehow, yeah, built towards nothing. And then they kept doing that refrain of the family at the table. I'm like, okay, I guess that's the really deep moment that's supposed to make us reflect. Yeah, <laughs> but every time they did that, I'm like, oh, every like the third time they put that family up on the screen, I'm like, oh, I don't know what y'all are trying to say about this. That's how <laughs> I, was. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> But yeah, overall, uh, I think we, yeah, I know, I, I enjoyed it. I had a cocktail. I was, I was, you know, right. enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, <laughs> should we get into our, yes. should we get uh, into our screen queen this week? Yes, we can. And yeah. are we going to be rating it by how many cocktails you've had to use? Just trying to rate it. Uh, you mean tonight or when I saw it? <laughs> Because that was like five stars. If it was the night that I saw it, I was like. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, so this week, our screen queen is Octavia Spencer as as grandma, which made me feel very old, (laughs) Um, in The Witches. So uh, obviously it's a remake, um, late 1967. Uh, A young orphan boy goes to live with his grandma in rural Alabama town. After the boy's first encounter with a glamorous but diabolical witch, his grandmother whisks him away to a seaside resort. Regrettably, they arrive at precisely and this is some Dickensian logic, at precisely the same time that the world's grand high witch has gathered her fellow cronies from around the globe to carry out her nefarious plans. Drea, as I um, understand it, this is one of your favorite movies from your childhood. The of original one. Of all time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. I was, in, I was in the theater. I, re- I remember the day my parents dropped me off at a matinee with my brothers. I remember running to the front of the front row because back in the day you thought that was the best row to watch a movie from, and then you break your neck trying to watch some shit. <laughs> um, but it was wonderful. I remember like because it opens up with like you're going over like um, snowy hills or like snowy mountains, and anyway, it was important to me that movie. I also two years ago went with our friend Rebecca to go see um, uh, a screening of The Witches, and Angelica Houston was there. And she came out and did the whole Grand High Witch salute and talked for an hour. And yeah, this movie is important. So did it, did it um, hold up? Did the remake hold up to the original? You can't, first of all, I did not go into this movie comparing the two. And like, I, as soon as I heard they were making a remake, I'm, I'm, I mean, everybody's, if you grow up with something and it's precious to you and then you hear them making a remake, you're trepidatious. You're not feeling so great about that. Um, but I've also seen some really great remakes over the years. And I've come to just realize, you know, some, some people sometimes you can add a little something extra. Sometimes another, another layer to a story needs to be added. Um, I really, I was on board once I heard Octavia Spencer was in. And, and I learned right, and I knew right then I just have to separate the two. These are different films. They're going for different things. And that's exactly what it was. They, they, they did um, touch on um, a lot of the similarities, but they changed the main characters are black. And how fucking dope is that? How, that is not hard to watch. And the narration is done by Chris Rock. That is not hard to listen to. Like, this is great. Um, and Anne Hathaway, not unlike her, um, she was one of the best things about that last Batman film that was atrocious, uh, mm-hmm. her and Bane. And I thought she was going to be a terrible Catwoman, but she killed it. And I will say the same thing about this. Like, she brought her own Grand High Witch to it. She was scary. Well, you know, those were some large, those were some large high heels to fill. With that, and them big old claw feet. She got them pterodactyl toes. I didn't like the way that looked. I didn't like the way that looked. I didn't like the way that looked. So, Drea, would you say that, like, objectively, like, the remake of the, like, Octavia's performance in the remake of The Witches is better than her performance in the remake of Halloween 2? She didn't even have a minute in that. Why would you bring up that traumatizing moment? Traumatizing, first of all. Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah, and this vindicated her. And I, and yeah, and fuck Rob Zombie for doing that to Octavia. Even though I not really like Rob Zombie, but that's that what, is- what did what did what did you think about um about Octavia as grandma in uh in the witches, Elon? Yeah, so at first I was a little disappointed because, and again, I'm going into this blind. I did not see the original. Um, 
I thought, darn it, she is in another Mammy character again. Um, that was actually my first thought, and um, seeing sort of the entryway into it and being that it was a period piece and that even when they do sort of the backstory and visit the time of the sister, it seems like um, they're in a family that are potentially sharecroppers. Um, and so kind of seeing the class disparity between her and the other characters, I just was noticing things in a different way. Um, so, and again, it's, it's difficult dealing with something that's both a period has a diverse cast but is also for children so I, I knew that it would be difficult to sort of balance or address those things so I didn't really expect much but it was something I had in mind especially in certain key moments like um when they were denying her ability to eat the soup we know why they can't in terms of you know the characters involved why but you know but but I can help but also think they would probably also be segregated at a certain point especially with with this being something where, where people have money and just, just things like that. And also when she had the encounter with the guy who, he wasn't, I don't think the owner of the hotel, but the guy who was like kind of Stanley trying to do whatever Tucci, to make yeah. it. Stanley yeah. Tucci, yeah, yeah. Just moments like that. But but, but what I appreciated though is that it, it began there, but it didn't remain there. Um, the fact that she was a voodoo priestess, never seen that before. That's not your average everyday mammy role or character. Um, and then I like that they didn't abandon um, kind of the faith that they already set within that character, because I think it's rare that you see conversations around um, the intersection between specifically Catholicism, but um, Christian practices and then those that practice any form of um, spirituality that intersects with those that of the priestess that she was. And um, yeah, those are the, since we're just talking about her, but on that same train of thought, though, I thought it was interesting how they articulated the specific differences between what were the bad witches and good ones because like one of my close friends um is a priestess and uh they sometimes identify as witches but it's not the same type so it's like hey we're cool over here but like f those witches over there <laughs> so so yeah i mean like it so it wasn't your average everyday you know quote-unquote memory role but that was my first thought point um are you aware of uh, any of like roll doll's history like are you kind of familiar with um, you know a little a little well, a lot races <laughs> oh yeah of course I, I mean outside of what was it charlie and the chocolate factory that's about the extent yeah. of non the were black pygmies that that's what they were originally in the charlie and the chocolate factory um and then there was a, he was also an anti-semite and yeah. you know but also his history was that he lost his father and sister by the age of three was sent to a boarding home by the age of nine and used to get beaten, beaten and flogged until he would bleed, you know? So then you think about movies like Matilda and the Trunch Bowl, and you think about these monstrous characters that he had, um, and, and, and that he's created, and you, so you understand why he's relatable in like a Charlie Brown kind of way, you know? But also th there was just this whole oversight to like, there's a lot of ignorance there. Like his ex-wife, um, I can't think of her name at the moment. She's a famous actress back in the 40s and 50s. I'll be the 30s too. But she um, dubbed him like, you know, just the king of misery, basically. Um, but it's interesting, you know, because I, I love these films in the same way like H.P. Lovecraft is not, we would not have been able to have a talk <laughs> back in the day. Like we would not have had a sit down. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, but his, his his imagination was extraordinary. It, unfortunately, imagine how extraordinary it really would have been if he didn't have that hindrance 
that 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 racist bullshit going on in the background. But um, I just also love imagining like Roald Dahl's fucking zombie corpse turning in its grave, knowing that they made the lead characters of this film black and what that would have done to it. And it's just like, eat it, bitch. Like, <laughs> like, who are these white authors? And authors, they're ruining shit. J.K. Rowling, like just ruining a whole legacy by these ignorant comments. It's like, you're, you're about, your whole book, your books were about magic. And now you're saying like, <laughs> You're like, you could honestly, JK, you could leave it in the book and like, just not, and just be quiet. You could do that too. Like, honestly, you could like. <laughs> but but it, it goes to show people can be more than one thing. And that is really hard for a lot of people to accept in this, in this life. People can be both good and bad. And, but you know, how that bad affects you, that is important. And how that, and ultimately I'm glad that we're changing these stories and we're making them better and improving them. Some stories need to be improved upon. The foundation's pretty good, but there's some things that just need to be a little, little worked out. Okay, just, I wanna, I wanna get on that for a second because like, I do not, I did see this back in the day. I did not remember it. Um, I didn't remember all the intricacies of the story, but like I did remember Angelica Houston as the high witch, like taking all that stuff off and all that practical effects. And like, I did, I did honestly feel like some of the, computer animation was a little cheesy for me but mm. like this shit is fucking depressing like they can't like he gets changed into a mouse and a mouse lives for like three or four years and he was like but i'll get to die at the same time you do grandma and i was like that is fucking dark yeah, like, the original was just like that too like it was it was really sad and that's but that's what i respected about it as a kid because we're not dumb when we're kids we want to be talked to like we're, we're real and everybody's always trying to shield us from everything. So it was movies like this. It was movies like Beetlejuice that kind of, you know, in weird ways explained death to me and explained, you know, drama. And, you know, just I, I was able to kind of sort out the world because my, my, you know, adults weren't telling me shit. They weren't telling me anything. I, I agree. And I do feel like the, 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 the child's character, especially when they started to inhabit the body of the mouse, became like very precocious because at that point they were actually like an adult for their age. But it was just like this weird fatalistic child who was like, I actually don't want to live that long. And I was like, wow, <laughs> like trauma really did its work on you. <laughs> like that opening scene of like him being like, we were actually upside because like you, it starts right side up and then you realize he's upside down and then like he suffered this huge loss and he's in this crippling depression and he's just been like, well, grandma, you're the last family that I know. And like, I don't want to be abandoned by anyone else. So I would prefer to die before you do. Like and that's they ultimately. Asking, they were nicer uh, about how they explained and, and more thoughtful, I would say, about the, the bond between his grandma and him. They really showed you several like the, the time she took to pull him out of his shell. In the original film, his parents go out and then the next morning they're gone. Then she gives him a hug and then the next day they go to the hotel and that's it. They don't talk about it. And, but it mean, but it's still warm and it feels like something because she wraps him up in a blanket and then she talks to him that night about witches. Like, but she always kind of did. Um, they also did some things in it. Like they are in the original one. One of the witches cut off the girl. Like one of the stories is true um, but, or similar when she witnesses her friend get kidnapped or uh, was, and that kind of happens in the original. Um, the grandma in the original movie got her pinky cut off 
and to, she, she would show she showed her her grandson her little nub of a pinky <laughs> in the movie over tea i remember that as a kid i was like oh that's fucked up and um yeah i i i still believe their love and their bond i appreciated the fact that i i thought that maybe they you know when she goes to that fine hotel she knows she's not quite welcome there and she still is just like um, I, I'm happy that they, they brought that up. And I know, and I'm pretty sure they did that on purpose in, in a front to the author, you know, and his blatant racism. And, you know, there were no black people in the original movie. I think there was one black witch in it, maybe, you know, maybe an Indian witch or something. But that was about it. Um, I, yeah, overall, I was just, I, I, I was I was happy with it. I thought it was. Well, I like that they. You know, you're right. They did give Grandma more to do because Octavia Spencer can give you more. But I appreciated when she got some safety scissors out and decided to cut a rug in front of that child. Like that was funny to me. I liked that. That was like endearing to her character. You know, that was nice. Yeah, it was still a lot for me at that point because that's still during that gap where I was like, okay, yeah, this is a lot because she's doing all this dancing, all this, and the happy mammy character when literally she lost her child. So I could have appreciated a moment of stillness for her before she switched over and was like, okay, now I have to go into this sort of performance. I wanted to be a child. Yeah, because that would have reinforced sort of the little bit of childhood that this kid had before we yeah. saw him have to be grown, basically. Maybe, maybe see her off to the side, have a moment to herself at night, yeah. just to have it and to go through it and cry and then get ready for her grandchild. I, I wanted that too. I'm glad you said that. It's uh, very life is beautiful, sort of, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But I knew where that strength came came from because my father was raised by his grandmother. And, you know, so I I do know that very well. But it, like, here, okay, so, uh, Ilan, this is like a kind of, like, a a running uh, thing that Dre and I have in in, in this show in particular, which is just, like, we know how to fix your movie. (laughs) (laughs) So it is, like, sometimes it's, like, just hi- consult us, hire us to consult, you know, because we could tell you maybe she should have had that moment of silence, you know, maybe like with um, vampire and Bro- uh, Vampires versus the Bronx, like maybe that kid should have tripped over that that thing and then like maybe the girl should have killed the vampire, you know, it's like, so thank you for, for taking part in our storied tradition of being like, this is how I would fix that movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's the applause. <laughs> uh, but you have to watch the original sometime, like watch it with buddies sometime soon, Elon. It'll, yeah, yeah, no, I plan to, especially after hearing you talk about it like that. But on the same, what I would change though, I feel like despite how like great that sounds for the original, which makes sense, and I would love it for those same reasons, I wish that they'd let him be a boy again. Like, and that's one of the things about when it's a white story that you plop people of color into, let him have some type of joy and light. Like this, is, I mean, this level of darkness with this type of character is too much. And there's also still an ongoing conversation when it deals with um, genre and black characters being in spaces where they only get to be human for so long, like with Princess and the Frog and with Soul, the animated movie that's, that's just coming out. Um, so it's like, I could have appreciated seeing him as a boy one more time and reunited with his grandmother since he went through so much loss and tragedy. Absolutely. Agreed. Agreed. You just fixed that movie. <laughs> 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 <They're not. laughs> All right, so um, Octavia Spencer in the remake of The Witches 2020, you are our official screen queen for this episode 15 of season three. Whoa. What up, Wayne? 
Don't forget, we got a Google voice number. And we want to hear from you. What's the scaredest you've ever been in the theater? What happened? Paint us a picture. And you might just find yourself on the show. Our Google voice number is 619. Uh, it's 289. And then it's 9052. That's 619-289-9052. All right. Catch us next week. Same time, same place. Uh, we're going to get into some stuff that we don't even really know yet. But when we figure it out, you will know. Check our socials and all that kind of stuff. And Scream Queen is produced by Alexandra De Palma and Domino Sound. With theme music by Doc Allison. I am Drea. I voted Washington. I hope you did too. Um, you can find me on the gram at Hey Girl Hey. That's H-E-Y-G-R-L-H-E-Y. Uh, I'm Tommy. I'm in Second Dick Pico. Still nine months into the pandemic or however long we are now because time is LOL. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Hey Teebs, H-E-Y-T-E-B-S. Alon, where can we find you? At BF Allegiance. And we will put that in on the uh, Instagram and the YouTube. You can find that. And you can also find us on Instagram at Scream Queen Podcast. And online at ScreamQueenPodcast.com. Send us some love notes. Um, you know, we're at ScreamQueen at gmail.com. That's S-C-R-E-E-E-M at gmail.com. Oh, I said that wrong. It's S-C-R-E-E-E-M queen at gmail.com. Y'all know. Yeah. And in the scary movie of your life. You better. Scream. Scream queen. <laughs> Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.